Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to be talking to a former student who learned a lot about leadership and then went and applied it as a football coach. And we're going to hear about how he's processing his philosophies, all that in this episode. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so in this episode, I am here with Mike Dieter Lizzi. Uh, Mike was a student at Charleston Southern University. What, what years were you at CSU? Uh, I was there as an undergraduate from 2009 to 2013. And then right. as soon as I graduated, I uh, started my MBA that, that summer. So summer 2013, uh, I started my MBA and then finished it at the end of 2014. So December of 2014. And so we had a number of classes together. And so we've just kept up over the years after you've graduated and uh, talked about leadership kinds of things. And you went to where to, to coach? Like you were coaching here for a little while at CSU as a, um, like, you know, special, special teams, was it, or something? like? A- so, yeah, so um, as soon as I finished with my undergrad, I, uh, a new coach was coming in, the coach that I played for. Uh, retired and uh, Coach Chavel came in and took over the program in, in 2013. And then at that point in time, uh, as I was beginning my master's, uh, we kind of created a position. It had really at at, at that point in time um, hadn't really been done. Um, <clears throat> so I was kind of a pioneer, if you will, in the in this uh, in this role in that I was going to be a graduate assistant coach, and so um, I was going to be working. Uh, with the football team doing, you know, various roles there, um, helping out in the background, and then also pursuing my MBA. And so <clears throat> that, that was my role there, full-time student, but also, you know, full-time with the football program, um, getting the basics. What did you coach particularly as the graduate assistant? What, I like sure. So in, in, 20, in the 2013 season, I was on the offensive side of the ball, assisting with special teams, you know, assisting with all phases of the program, equipment, uh, laundry, you know, painting the fields, all the stuff that, that went on behind the scenes. In the 2014 season, I was working with the defense. Um, so I got, and again, still with special teams. So I was able to get uh, a great deal of experience there on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and then you got more experience because you went away to Missouri. What was Mississippi, it? yeah. So it's when I finished my master's in December, I knew that I wanted to get into to, to college coaching full-time. So I started, you know, getting in and, and trying to network and uh, using the resources that I, I built to that point and ended up coming across an opportunity to uh, join staff in Mississippi at Millsaps College, um, their Division Three uh, program. Um, but it allowed me to get a great experience, you know. Sure. And that's exactly um, yeah. what I tell students to do. Don't worry about how much money you're paid or how prestigious or what. Get the experience because the experience will, it's like a slingshot. You pull back on the sling. The further you can pull back before you launch, the better. Right. right. So so I applaud you for that. That was good. And then you went, you came back for, was it Millsaps and then back to CSU? And then- yeah. So, yeah. So when there was the, the transition from the staff, Coach Shadwell left and went to Coastal Carolina, uh, Coach Tucker. 
uh, got the head job at Charleston Southern with that and some, some people leaving and taking some different opportunities. Uh, I created a position where I was able to come back as a full-time assistant and, and have that full-time position, um, you know, at, at Charleston Southern, which was a great opportunity. Anytime you get a, a opportunity sure. to become a moderate, you know, it's just like, let's go, you know? Yeah. So, um, and now you are where? So now I'm coaching high school in Houston, Texas. Okay. So, yeah. So there Texas, was, there was again, it was, yeah, the roller coaster of the ride of, of this profession, it, it sometimes it happens like that, but, um, you know, um, if I have time to share about that, it's, you know, it's kind of, a, it was a good, different transition going from college to high school. But uh, for me, I thought, I thought it was the best. So, yeah. So, okay. So uh, along the way, uh, as I said, we've, we've kept in touch over time. And I said, so when are you going to, I don't remember even how we got talking. We were somewhere on LinkedIn talking about something. And I said, so when are you going to come on the podcast? And you're like, oh, I don't know. No, seriously. Because <laughs> I know that you have developed thought over time as you have been you know working your trade now the interesting thing is how just how parallel leadership is to everything leadership works in one context it works in another it works in another and so as a football coach you have developed certain concepts that i said just put them down on paper think through them and let's let's talk about them so your first one you said was the million or sorry the dollar principle you uh you won't throw away a wrinkly dollar because of its look, so hired it, and it's good as new. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah, so it's actually uh, almost, um, I don't know, the, you see these memes um, on, on social media and Twitter, and um, I don't know who the who the gentleman is on, on the on the picture of, but uh, or it's a quote, but um, it's kind of something I've form, formulated here over the last two years, especially at this level, at the high school level. Um, kids are still in a very high developmental phase, right? They're still coming to their, into their own, who they are and their identity. And, and, and that comes with a lot of immaturity. And so you see a, a great deal of growth between ages 15 to 18, right? I mean, um, you know, you have many kids of your own. And so, you know, that process is ongoing, but what <clears throat> a lot of times, especially in our profession, we, a kid will make a mistake and it's, we, you know, we, we have to, we have to act, we have to make sure that they are disciplined and there's consequences that they're fulfilled. And sometimes uh, it, we're quick to just let that kid go, you know, move, maybe kick him out of the program. Um, and so there's, there's a big belief in, in second chances. And sometimes those second chances, it really will be the difference of a kid making it or not doing anything with his life. And so, um, the, the whole principle is that we're not in the trash business, right? That we didn't get into this business and this, this profession to trash kids, right? We're there to develop them, to inspire, to motivate, to, to, to uh, develop and continue to work with them day in and day out so that they can make something of their lives. And so a dollar bill, a, a dollar bill is still worth a dollar, whether it's wrinkly or it's crisp and it just came from the, you know, the treasury. And so the principle is, hey, a wrinkly dollar, you're not going to throw that away. If a kid is, is you know, maybe immature, or, you know, doing stuff and, and he's not acting right. And so that's on us to get him right and, and give him the opportunity to, to continue to iron it day in and day out. And, and uh, let's get him back on the, on the path and, and hopefully he can, he can make something of himself. 
Sure. And we've all made mistakes and we've all uh, done stupid things, especially in our teens. Sure. Um, now there's, there's an, you know, a range of stupid things. And I, I'm just glad that I was uh, um, born before the internet could document all the stupid yeah. things. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's um, a different, different, you know, different, whole, whole different world. Um, and everything's recorded, everything's filmed. And, yeah. and I think information travels even faster. So, but the, the basic presupposition or, or basic assumption that, look, you know, we're here to develop is a very different thing than, sorry, you're out. Um, and, and I think that'll pay big dividends down the line for you as you, as you help people grow. And as they know that you're in their corner, I've said this many times. I don't know if I, if I had developed this when you were still in school, but I, I say very often now, if, if, if you have my back, you get my heart. Right. It's it's probably the sentiment that you've heard, even if I hadn't said it in that way. But that that's right. If you if you demonstrate that you have my back, you get my heart. I'm going to go through a wall for you. Sure. But you have to demonstrate that first before right. you're going to get that. OK. Yeah. The second one, you were talking about uh, the process of hiring good people. And you've been in enough in uh, a number of programs now. So you've been around long enough to have observed a lot about how the hiring process goes. So tell me about that. Yeah. So again, it's not something that I, I haven't done specifically where I've been in a position to hire. However, um, I know that it's, it is a very difficult process to find good people. Right. And so the, what I've <clears throat> recognized here is in order to be able to get a great staff, a great chemistry, um, there, there's that every hire matters. And so, you really have to do your homework and, and, you know, I was talking to a friend a couple of days ago on the phone, another, another coach, and he's, you know, still working in the college ranks. And it's a, it's a very unique profession in that coaches really only want to hire people that they know, or they're going to hire people that they, someone they know and trust is going to say, Hey, you need to hire this guy. Right. And so it's very rarely will you get an opportunity to you know showcase your abilities get an interview whatnot you might have the best resume on paper in the world but if you don't have the right connections in somewhere uh, or know the right people or, or you know if they don't know you it, it's really hard so but at the end of the day you have to you have to bring in good guys good people um, that have the right intentions to be able to develop your kids, inspire your kids, motivate your kids to perform at a high level. Um, Cause you can have great kids, great talent and, and be, you know, they're, they're uh, outstanding players, but if you can't get them to play for you, yeah. you, you won't have success. Yeah, so, so, so if I, if I understand the game, right, leadership, uh, not leadership, football is about leadership in the sense that it's about synergy. Right. You can have, you know, all 10, you know, everybody can be a 10 player, but if you can't get the synergy of the team working together and operating as a unit, you're, it doesn't matter if they're all tens right. because a team of sevens can wipe you. Right. If they're all playing as a unit. Is that fair? Uh, absolutely. And, and it's, and it's, there's so many different units on the, on that comprise a football team. It, it's really a, a very unique situation because you have, you have offense, you have defense, you have special teams, and then you have the entire team. And then within the offense and defense and special team, you have different units in itself. So it's it's really just kind of this this 
massive structure of units have to having to work together, know the role, know their assignment, and then just go out there and execute their job. Um, but the the biggest point about you know what I saw when I was kind of making these notes is that it always comes back to people, right? You need to hire good people that can do their job and are responsible and and have the right intent about putting kids first and investing back in the kids. And then the kids that you do have, it, it, it's all about them, right? And so it's the difference in, in the college and high school level is you don't get to choose your players in high school. You have to work with, with what you got, right? So yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. So, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like I would give higher marks to a high school football coach who's the winningest high school football coach than a college or professional because for just that reason, because sure. you're, you're taking whatever's come to you. Right. And so there, there's a lot of value in that and in, in, in uh, developing the kids that, that walk through your doors because, again, who, who, who they are, that's what you get. Um, and then the difference in college is, yes, you get to select them, but still there's, there's a, that's a whole process in itself, and that starts with recruiting. So, yeah, you're in a, in a way you're, you're recruiting great people as well because if you go out there and hire or, or recruit a, a bunch of you know, poor character, low character kids – it's going to showcase, it's going to, it's going to show up. And so, um, you know, there's, there's, there's whole that, you know, or, or that process as well. So it, it comes back to people and, you know, having good people and high character, um, that, that matters. This leads direct into this, the third point that you had, which was about leadership styles. Tell me about that. So now being in, it's, I don't know, four or five different programs, you know, under different, under leadership, head coach is different. Um, it's, it's interesting how uh, leadership styles in, in how people run the program and, you know, uh, process information throughout is, is, um, is unique because just because one leadership style is different doesn't mean that they won't have success. And so I think it, it really um, comes down to who that person is and how they're wanting to lead and, and set the culture and whatnot. Um, and so again, there's, there's many ways to skin a cat, right. And that's the, the old adage there. Um, and so, but just because you don't believe in that way, doesn't mean it's wrong. You just might have a different philosophy and your, your philosophy might be really good for where you're at and the kids there that are, you know, playing for you and the community. And so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but as I feel you believe what you believe and as long as you, you're willing to die on that hill and, and, and take a stand and say, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way. Um, not all, not all uh, ways operate w equally well either. Right. I mean, you've, you've seen enough coaches to know that what this one did and what that one did and what that one did are all not necessarily equally going to get you there too. So the, the coach, the coach needs to adjust to the people and the coach needs to have his own way of doing it. And I mean, it's a very complex thing. Yeah. And so, and that, that was the point that I, that I wrote down is I said that, you know, the culture that, or the vision of how they see it being built should really be tethered or, or calibrated toward the type of kid that they have, you know? And so you're going to have different pro I mean, different programs, they're, they're, Hey, tra tradition comes in like, Hey, this has historically been this way. And, and so there's, there's a lot to um, take into consideration when you're, when you when you have all this, but um, you know, you can't say, well, I was here and this is what we did. Well, 
it's not going to automatically work at this new place because you just, you know, could be totally different kids. Um, so again, there's, there's little nuances along the way that you have to be able to navigate and then adjust accordingly. Yeah. And, I, and I'm smiling because what you just described is essentially contingency theory. And so, and it's, so what, what I'm just, what I just said academically, you just said in football and it all translates to the organization right. in a business context. So that's, that's why I find this whole conversation fascinating. I mean, everything that you're saying is, is just transferable. Okay. Tell me about your fourth point, which was emotional intelligence. Yeah, this is, this is something that I feel is probably the, the most apparent as I've witnessed really now going into uh, year nine uh, of, of this journey is is being able to uh, have and this has become a, a much more talked about subject is your your ei your emotional intelligence what that means and you know i looked it up and uh the you know, definition or what they talk about is uh just being aware of uh, in control and able to express one's emotions right so when we talk about emotional intelligence then because of the environment and how really in, in a lot of situations the the pressure, um, the in the chaos, you know, call it controlled chaos. Um, but the uh, confusion, there, there's a lot of situations that will, will really test your emotions. And so um, when you're in that moment, do you have what it takes to be able to control and harness and, and not just lose control? I think that is a huge uh, point um, that, again, people handle it different ways. And so, you know, when it's the, there's five seconds left on the clock and you got one play to win, you know, are we do we do we have ourselves under control? Like, do we know what we're going to call? Um, and so it's just it's hard uh, to to do until you like put yourself in that situation. And so that's why we try to replicate that for us as coaches, but then as players as well. So, so you, you're really worried about two things yourself and then are your players handling their emotions as well? So. Some some coaches seem to handle it better than others. I mean, you see, you see some you watch some games and you see the the coach on the sideline turning purple, and you can obviously see the profanity if you can read lips or whatever. And then you see like Tony Dungy, who uh, by all accounts, like you know, when he got angry, he got quieter. <laughs> and that's when that's when his players feared him, <laughs> when his voice went down, not up. So. It, it's um. It, I think it comes back to just the individual and in your own your own temperament and just being who you are. And if you're not that guy, then don't be that guy. And and it comes back to just being transparent and and genuine. And if you're that from day one, and you're consistent, the kids the kids will recognize that. And if you're not, they'll see right through it. Right. Yeah. So it's just again, you can't fake being Tony Dungy, right? Right. So. But, it goes back to that leadership style. If that's who you are, then be that, you know, and be consistent with it. And don't be, you know, this and that. And, you know, they really don't know what they're going to get. So, um, but yeah, it's the emotional intelligence I feel is, is, um, is that next, I think that next level. And then also stuff is going to happen, right? Kids are going to experience hardship and adversity and, and, and different things. And, you know, you look at the world and, and, and what everything, everything's going on. So you have to be able to, uh, be compassionate and, and empathize with, with what's going on, right? I mean, everybody is has been raised differently in different experiences, and so if you lack that, that you're 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 missing an opportunity to connect with your kids on that next level. And so um, that's where it even goes deeper too. It's like yeah. 
not even not only handling yourself on the sideline, but also, hey, can you can you speak into this kid's life right now when he's you know he just lost his his parent or you know his you know his brother was killed or something like that, right? So the, you know, there's these traumatic experiences that that go on, and so you have to be able to be there and be a you know just a a stronghold for for these kids. So. Yeah, what you just described, uh, Sheen and Sheen described as personization, not mm-hmm. personalization, but personization. And what I mean by that is instead of just the professional role, I'm coach, you are player, you're actually getting to know the person and care about the person. They're not just a tight end or a linebacker or whatever it is. They are a whole person who happens to be a tight end or a linebacker. Right. But you care about the whole person. And that right. goes a long way to getting where you're trying to get and building trust. So Absolutely. that that's very good. You, you, I mean, you said that, and I'm just giving the academic background of what you sure. were just saying. Yeah. Okay, number five. I think this is my favorite. You said kids need to feel like, and you put it in all caps, kids need to feel like they have a voice, a medium to be heard. And this creates ownership. Tell me about that. So I, th- I think there's a, <clears throat> this is kind of the, where you're, you have to be very clear in how you go about this. Cause it could, if you, if you let it get too far, it could turn into, um, I don't. It's not coming to me, but just where the the kids or the uh, the inmates are running the prison, right? Just I, I know you don't like using those those little things, but you don't. You want to be very clear and say um, this is earned, and so you have to tell the kids, okay. And in order to get to this per- point, excuse me, you have to earn it. So um, what I've seen being done, witnessed is. And even when I was uh, a player at Charleston Southern, what we had is a, we had a captain's council or, or a leadership, you know, council. And so those, those positions uh, were earned or voted on by the organization, the program. And so you were appointed by your peers. Um, and in that, we would meet with the head coach or, or discuss certain things that were going on. So, for instance, uh, you know, guy on the team messed up. Okay, how do we want how do we want to handle this? What should be his discipline? What should be his his consequences for doing it? Okay, well, captain's council, we say this. Okay, head coach, we hear you. He said, you know, we hear you. We understand. Um, he he considers it, and then ultimately he makes a decision. Or he say, you know what? I'm leaving this up to you all. Uh, whatever you decide, I'm I'm supporting, and so it's it's up to you guys. So. Um, when I say feel like they have to, they just have to feel it. They have to believe that they have a voice in what's going on. Yeah. You don't mean yeah. trickery. Yeah. They really feel right. it because it's real. Right. Your employees, again, why do you send out surveys? Why do you, you know, you have these evaluations yearly and that you are, you're allowed to express yourself and give feedback to your upper level management. It's the same thing. Um, the players have to feel like they have a voice and be represented in, in the program. And so they have to be given a medium to be heard. And what that does is it, it creates ownership. So again, the captains, right. The, the leaders that were appointed by their peers, uh, and the program in general, if they say, Hey, this is what we're going to do, then they, they, the responsibility that comes back on them. So it does create a level of ownership, which 
I feel is imperative in any program in, in getting your, uh, your programs to the next level. So um, it's not just saying, all right, what do you know, what do you guys want to do today? Or, you know, all right, you guys, you know, tell us what, tell us what we're going to do. It's not that it's, it's giving them a proper medium to express how they feel, where they stand. Um, it also shows that you're, you're empowering them to, to make decisions, right. And to give them an opportunity to think, and, and okay, you, hey, you're in my my shoe. What would you do, right? Um, and it, it could be their best friend, and so that's where it's uh, it, it really opens up a great deal for for maturity and, and right. taking you know ownership of, of what they're what they're going to do and standing behind their decision. Yeah, and when you own the process, you make it happen naturally. You don't have to be for, uh, you know guided or or cajoled or have to be pushed on it right um i remember my time in high school track where you know uh the, our coach did a really good job with that with the seniors who were in charge the, the, the team captains and so when we you know came in as freshmen or sophomores going oh what a look this is the way that we do it and it was the older students guiding the younger students yeah to, and and that's a beautiful process where it's not all about you as the head coach because otherwise you become a bottleneck and and this the system can't run without you yeah. and uh, so this was beautiful I love how you dealt with empowerment and ownership here yeah. um, and that's that's why this was my favorite one the yeah. next one is communication tell me about communication yeah this is this has become my biggest, like I am, have been labeled a stickler and that's okay. I like that. <laughs> There's certain things that I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll budge on, but communication is, is top of the line. And for me as a position coach, because I'm ultimately going to be held responsible for my players, I have to know, Hey, what's going on? I need to know if you're going to be late or you're going to miss or, because I'm going to be held responsible. Hey, we're so-and-so. Okay. Well, if I don't have an answer, that's, that's on me. And so it, it's gotta, it's gotta continue to uh, go and move down the line. And so it, it was, <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I was not a good communicator. And even when I was in college, I was not a good communicator. And so because I made it a point of emphasis for myself, this is this has kind of become a huge staple for me. And so from the top down, it starts. So communication starts from the top. Right. And if you, if you have a poor communicator at the top, it's it's not going to it's not it's going to trickle down and it's going to be very disorganized. And and, and you know, you're, you've got a recipe for disaster. Um, but <clears throat> my point was that. The coaches must model it. And so model what it means to be a good communicator. Right. You, they need to see you communicating, you're right, using your phone. Hey, coach, you know, so-and-so is not here doing this and that. Um, and so that means like you're, you're messaging out little things coming up. Hey, tomorrow we got this. Today we got this. So you're keeping them in the loop. And then it has to be emphasized uh, to the kids as well. And then also the head coach and the coordinators need to emphasize it to the assistants. Hey, we're going to, we thrive on communication. People, we need to be on the same page. We need to know what's going on. And so that was the biggest thing. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's got to be communicated what the expectations are of the program, the standards, right? That so you're already merging into number seven, right? Which was the establishing clear guidelines. Yeah. And, and so those two dovetail very nicely. So just keep processing. Yeah. It. So 
but but again, it's there's you know there's some of the I think uh, PJ Fleck in, in, at Minnesota they they actually have and I know we we've, we've talked in your classes about uh, language and and just different um, uh, organizational jargon right the organizational language right that I remember you 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 had this your kids had this whole different vocabulary of what different things mean right in your house right. So, but they, and I've heard stories about this. They actually have at Minnesota, they have like a, a, a glossary of what different terms and they like each player and, and staff member has to know what it means. And so, but you know, even not, even to that extreme, the point is, is that the language needs to be communicated. It needs to be the same. And so when, when your kids are, are using the same language you are as a coach, that's a good thing, right? You know, that you, They've, it's really hit home for them. They're now being able to coach those young kids and use the same language. And so that continuity is huge. And again, it starts at the top. And so, um, again, just, and it, it's not only verbal, it's nonverbal. Hey, what are our expectations, right? Our body language, that's huge, especially for, for um, you know, these, these younger generations. And hey, like, you're telling me a whole lot and you don't, you're not even saying anything. And so, um, so yeah, so that that was that that's huge, and I think it's it's been it needs to continue to be coached and developed and and emphasized in our young people. So more on the guideline side. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and this is this is something I think again I'll it will come as as you know um, as I'm growing to more uh, or higher positions is. And this, and again, it starts at the top is understanding uh, the type of community that you're working with and then um, establishing, you know, program policies, guidelines and boundaries as to what that looks like. And, you know, everybody, when they have kids, you know, it's, 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 it's important and they want their kid to do well. And sometimes after a, a game, uh, people are irrational, right? I mean, we, we talked about a lot in your class about, being rational versus irrational. And when we're not in our right frame of mind, yep. we're just not ourselves, right? And so we can do things and say things when we're irrational and it is not the time to have a, uh, a very um, candid or, or uh, calm conversation where they, hey, we're actually, okay, we're getting somewhere. When people are remember people me rational, one person are irrational, it's not good, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like at, from a, at, at this level, um, been able to hear some behaviorist talk and it's fascinating how uh, they handle certain situations with you know just understanding behavior right and so um, the biggest thing from this is you know the community your family's behind the program whether it's they're, they're directly they have a son or daughter in your program or they're just a community supporter because they went there or something I mean these are your stakeholders for your for your program and so, but they have to understand, hey, after a game, you know, please don't come up to talk to me about whether your son or daughter was in the game or wasn't in the game. I, we need 24 hours and we can talk, you know, after we watched the film, uh, reflected, you know, got gathered our thoughts immediately after the game, whether, excuse me, we, we won or, or won or lost, that's not the time to, to discuss. And so it's just understanding that, Hey, these, this is how we're going to operate the program. Um, there's a certain way to talk. Hey, if you want to come in and 
and discuss this. Okay, you can schedule a time coming in my office, you know, and just that way you have you have things in order and that it's not um, it's not becoming a again we're we're eliminating that that chaos and that that controversy which again can can try to seep into a program or organization and it'll 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 eat it from its inside out. Yeah, that's right. You probably remember me saying in class, it's irrational to have a rational conversation with an irrational person. You probably you probably remember that line. That's that, yeah. that, that's how I have said it for many years. Right. Uh, and th that's right. When I taught at a little classical Christian school before I was at Liberty, um, this was wow, this is like 20 years back. Uh, I, I, I saw this phenomenon that you're saying um, it's called I called it Mother Henning, like mm. Mother Hen. Right. Yeah. And so what it was, was when it's, you know, turn up the heat, turn up the pressure on my, uh, you know, on, on the kids, turn up the pressure on the kids. Oh, but it's my child. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And they would have to protect their their darling yeah. child who can never do anything wrong. But the other ones, those are the problems over there. You, you know, turn the screws on them. Right. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is if you have these policies in place, you can just refer back to those policies and you don't have to then every new time that somebody wants to raise anything, you don't have to think through it. You can just right. give us 24 hours. That's the policy. We'll talk right. about it after. And it probably diffuses a lot time. Sure. And then if you do have it, you, you have it at a time where you can handle it, not right yeah. after the game where you right. have other things. Yeah. And in, in, in this is where there's been usually, there, or I would say this, over just being in football over the years, a lot has happened post game right in that hour to two hour frame a lot could happen and so there's been a lot of bad situations that have happened after a game that gotten people in bad situations and ended up losing their job you know um whether it be a, a spouse you know a coach or or you know a, a family member whatever it may be it's not a very uh, again, there's so much emotion and, and, and uh, excitement, right? Whether it be positive or negative, after a game, it's just like, hey, we just just give us the the, the day, give us 24 hours to, again, just remove ourselves from the situation, step back, gather our thoughts. Okay, now we can have a more uh, clear conversation about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's deep wisdom there. Okay, we got just a few minutes with the yep. last one. The higher the position, the higher the level of organization and preparedness that's required on your part. Talk to that. Yeah, so this is this has been something that really recently I've, I've it, it's challenged me, right? And so um, new position that I'm in, it's, you know, there, there's um, other guys working with me. And so, you know, when we go out to practice every day, there has to be a, a level of organization that you have to have in order to, okay, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so as, as you climb, as you continue to move up the, the ranks, when, when you are sitting in that coordinator seat, you have to be organized because you have other assistants relying on you to be able to plan and be organized for their position. group, Right. So even though I'm not a coordinator right now, I'm still the head coach of my position group. And so in order to give them the best, I have to go out to the field every day and be organized. Yeah. And if you have assistants or people, other, other people helping you, well, they're also relying on you to tell them, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so if you're unorganized and you're scrambling, trying to make a plan on the fly, it just, it doesn't look good on your part. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I put the, the verse Luke 1248 because, you know, Jesus talked about this and it says, 
to whom much is given, much is required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. So as, and again, he was teaching a parable there, but this is, this is a line that's referenced quite a bit and in, in very true, that as you continue to move up, when you're given more responsibility, more is going to be required of you. And to me, that organization level really has to be next level. And so you have to make sure you're organized, you're prepared. And so that might require more time doing this or doing that so that your people can then go and do their jobs, right? If they're relying on you um, and you're trying to delegate stuff, you have to have your eyes dotted and T's crossed so that they can go do their job. You know, and I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about multiple parallels, right? So for example, I, I don't know if you thought that uh, while you were a student that I do what I'm doing. Oh, that that's easy. He's just doing that naturally. Mm -hmm. I spent hours preparing before each class. So if it looked like it was easy, it's because I had it all right in, you know, front and center in my thinking, because I just spent time going back over the thing. And I've, you know, I've taught this class uh, 10 times before the same stuff, but I still went back over it. Right. So you have to put in your, in your time, uh, another parallel, uh, when when writers when students write, there's this phrase that uh, I can't remember the author, but somebody said like if you write if you if the author it works hard, the reader it's easy for the reader. Mm. And the opposite is true. If the if the author if the student doesn't work hard, it's very hard on the reader, right? I, yeah. I I'm sure I've taken longer to grade people's paper than it took them to write it sometimes. <laughs> right yeah. that's not a good paper that's a very bad paper you're right. not doing well if it's safe right. in fact i was telling um uh my colleague maxwell rollins the other day i'm yeah. going to start timing how long it takes me to grade papers and factor that in somehow into a matrix of what the grade is because it should i should be able to simply read it and go yes 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 oh that's a great point yes 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 without having to stop multiple times. So it's the same kind of stuff. All I'm doing is translating what you just said into my academic concept. And right. the same stuff can be translated into the organization as well. So, and that's, and that's really why I brought you on because I was thinking like, I know the things that you're going to say, you're going to be thinking through things. And it, what, it, what you're doing as a football coach will translate so nicely everywhere else. Okay. Sure. We're about at the point of out being out of time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Now we're we're shooting this in Zoom, and so some people will be listening to this in audio. But yeah. if you're watching this in video, you can see I'm actually wearing a football jersey, which Mike thought funny um, because uh, yeah, this isn't my thing. Yeah, I know you're laughing at me even now. Okay, so it's the only football jersey I own, and I own this one for a particular reason. Do you, do you know who this is? It looks like Giants. No, it's not Giants, and that's a really good guess because I am a Giants fan. I grew up in New Jersey, uh, but it's you're close. It's not the Giants. It's a different Manning. Uh, is it Archie? Peyton. Oh, you're Colts. Okay, Colts. Yeah, okay. Peyton Manning, his Colts jersey. Now, why Peyton Manning? I, I absolutely love Peyton Manning, but not because of his football prowess, but because of how he is. I mean, how he's conducted himself, generally speaking. Uh, he had this great quote I, I show in class every uh, every semester in Power and Influence. He says, it takes five minutes or five seconds to smile and be nice. It takes five. Uh, it takes the same time to be a jerk. So smile and be nice. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, how hard is that, right? Like you never, there's, there's almost never a time that I can think of where you have to be a jerk. 
Right. You, you just don't have to. So be nice. And, and you know, uh, and the proverbs say an undeserved curse doesn't come to rest. Don't do that. I mean, yeah. just just be nice. OK, but here's why I also brought this up. I, I always come up with a quotation for contemplation at the end of every episode. And yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And and one I actually want to get your thought about this. He also said this. The most valuable player is the one that makes the most players valuable. Mm. As a coach, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's it's spot on. Um, and I, the first the first thing, position group that comes to mind is the offensive line, right? And so your your five big guys up front, you led by the center, right? Your guards and your tackles. These guys are 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 instrumental in your success as an offense and and really as uh, as as an entire program. You're really only as good as your offensive line. If you if you can handle that up front, right? We call it the trenches. If, if they can handle themselves and perform at a high level, you will be successful as a football team. And so those guys, they hardly ever get the credit because they're, they don't have stats, right? So they're, they're, they're back there in the shadows. And so a great quarterback, if he wants to be on the field and, and remain healthy, he's got to have a great offensive line. And so those, those five are always constantly making other guys look good because the, the receivers, the tight ends, the backs, when they're scoring, it's because the offensive line is doing their job up front. And so if you're willing to have that selfless attitude to, to try to, again, just do your role, do your job, and make others around you better, then those are the type of kids and, and players that you want to build your program around. Yeah, hey, that, that's that's really interesting, too. I would imagine Peyton was very nice to his front line. <laughs> or any quarterback who wants to be successful Absolutely. is going to have a really good rapport with yeah. that front line. Please don't let them hurt me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and then also, you know, it goes back to trust, too. You know, they had to trust him that he was going to put them in the right position to be successful, too, you know. And so that it just goes back to that unit and, and uh, you know, you talk about that synergy, right? He's only as good as them up front. And uh, it's just uh, football really presents a, a very unique um, just dynamic that is is unlike any other sport. And so that's even though it might sound biased, it, it does come back to to that and that it's it is a special and uh, it, it does prepare uh, people for life. So. Yep. All right. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I very much appreciate it. And uh, uh, if if. What, what, when does your football uh, season start? You're going to have a real season this year, like yes, yeah. And we did we did have one last year. It just got it just got pushed a little bit, but um, it was actually the longest longest season uh, I've ever been a part of. Um, but yeah, we will start on time. Uh, we actually get cranked up here August second, um, and so that's usually the the, the kind of the the um, preliminary start date for majority of a lot of a lot of programs is that. Beginning of August, we're, we're rocking and rolling. So, uh, get the get the remainder of the month here and enjoy the time while we got it, and um, we'll be ready for the 2021 season. All right. Well, hey, thank you again. I, I hope Mike's uh, advice here is useful to you and it helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.